The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four shares, a share for each soldier. They also took his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top down. So they said to one another, Let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it will be, in order that the passage of Scripture might be fulfilled that says, They divided my garments among them, and for my vesture they cast lots. This is what the soldiers did. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary of Magdala. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple there whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his home. After this, Aware that everything was now finished in order that the scripture might be fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst. There was a vessel filled with common wine. So they put a sponge soaked in wine on a sprig of hyssop and put it up to his mouth. When Jesus had taken the wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he handed over the spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. No speech, no word, no voice is heard, and yet their word and their voice goes out to the ends of the earth. What an odd expression to find in our responsorial psalm, Psalm 19. No speech, no word, no voice is heard, and yet their word and their witness goes out to all the world. What a remarkable and beautiful expression that is, and how good we have it on this day where we celebrate Father de Montfort. Psalm 19, from very early on in the history of the church, was long seen as giving voice, no pun intended, to the spread of the gospel around the world. That what begins with the heavens proclaiming finds a hearing on earth, even though it seems nothing is being said and nothing is happening. What a curious, curious idea that is, and yet how very, very true. Ours is a curious faith. We believe in a word who took flesh as an infant who could not speak and had to grow into speaking. How odd. 
we honor a Savior, the very Word of God, His presence among us, who hid Himself for 30 years before stepping forth to speak. We, over these seven weeks of Easter, honor the resurrection of one who doesn't reveal his resurrection directly to the world when he could have easily done so, but rather is pleased to hide the news of his resurrection in the voices and the hearts and the lives of those he will send forth into the world to share it. How absolutely remarkable. On the one hand, no speech, no word, no voices heard. And yet on the other, their word has gone out into all of the world. And news of Jesus Christ and of his victory has reached the furthest corners of the globe. And part of that movement is the movement in which Father de Montfort himself was caught up. That movement of the word, the speech, the news, the witness, the proclamation, which must extend itself even to the most distant corners of the globe. And as a young man, as a young seminarian, Louis Grignon, future St. Louis de Montfort, had a desire in his heart to be one of those who would take the gospel literally across the ocean to the far distant corners of the world, to a place it had not been sounded yet. And his superiors discerned that in his enthusiasm he would go to the new world, rush into the wilderness after the savages who lived there, and would promptly become lost and never heard from again. And so they reminded him that this is not your vocation. But this impulse, this impulse to go forth and to proclaim never left him. It was with him in his childhood. First with his younger brothers and sisters as he brought them to a statue of Our Lady to teach them how to pray and to honor her. Later as he would go forth even as a young man to teach catechism in the poorer corners of the towns where he was going to school. This desire in his heart as he's going through his seminary formation to prepare himself for a work of preaching, a work of proclamation, not being sure what that would look like, but being certain that is what he was called to. And in no small measure, that note that we hear from St. Paul in our second reading is a marvelous summary of his vocation. Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And again, what an odd expression. 
because we associate the missionary work of the church with going out and preaching. Why? So that people believe and are baptized. But this was not, this was not Father de Montfort's work. Father de Montfort's vocation was not first and foremost to go out into the unbelieving world and to baptize the non-believer and build up the number of believers. His mission was not to baptize. His mission was to go to those who were already baptized. Because the vigor of faith all too easily, all too readily, all too quickly flags and dissipates and finds itself exhausted and without energy. And so he dedicated himself to going to the baptized to preach, to call forth out of their hearts the fullness of that great gift that they had originally received and had forgotten how to live. What a remarkably important mission that is. The Lord did not send me to baptize, but to preach. To call to all of the world, the believing world as well as the unbelieving world. But to call in particular to the believing world and remind it of the importance of conversion. To remind it of the importance of that great gift and dignity that we have received in Jesus Christ to remind those who fancy that they live under the sun of salvation that they too cannot escape its burning heat, as the psalm says. And so there is a time to step out of the shade and allow the full light of the day, the dawn of the gospel, to shine upon us. This was the vocation of Louis Grignon de Montfort. This was his mission. This mission that was lived, in a sense, under a continual consciousness of the bright sun, of the victory of Jesus Christ. However cloudy and stormy the skies of the world in which he lived were, his spirit walked always in the light of that great sun. And he would allow nothing in his own life to be concealed from the bright and burning heat of that sun. And as he contemplated that sun, in no small measure, in no small measure, as the words of that beautiful Psalm 19 indicate, he learned how to follow its movement. And the psalm itself, again, says something wonderful. At one end of the sky is the rising of the sun. Well, that makes sense. But what do we mean when we say the end of the sky? It's that point where heaven meets earth. At the point where heaven meets earth, is the rising, the coming forth of the sun. Her name is Mary. She is that marvelous tent 
that the Lord has placed at the end of the sky, the point where heaven meets earth, where the sun will emerge to shed his light and his warmth upon the world. And for Father de Montfort, the secret to living continually under the light of that sun begins in no small measure finding that tent from which he emerges. Because when one finds the tent, one then can move with the sun from the very beginning. And for Father de Montfort from his youth, he learned to make his home in that same home that Jesus Christ built for himself. The heart, the spirit, the very person of Our Lady that point beautifully within Mary where heaven meets earth and the word becomes flesh. And contemplating that mystery of the Lord's coming forth from heaven into that tent that he had prepared for himself, humbling himself, becoming poor in Mary and through Mary, Father de Montfort, looking there, realized my eyes are not strong enough to see the blazing glory of the Lord. But here, as I look into the tent, I can see him. And I can see his face clearly, the poor Savior, the humble Savior, the obedient Savior, the Savior who is sent and goes forth. And as he contemplates the face of Christ in this way, humility, poverty, and obedience, and a burning desire to go forth are kindled all within him. At the end of the, one end of the sky, is the tent from which the sun emerges. And at the other end of the sky, the psalm says, is its course. It's setting. It's going down. And where does the sun set? Where does the sun go down? It goes down on Calvary. And who is there on Calvary at the other end of the sky? the other place where heaven meets earth, that would be Mary. How absolutely marvelous this is for Father de Montfort seeing, in a sense, the full home of the sun, those points where heaven meets earth, where the Lord takes flesh, where the Lord gives his life fully and completely for us and for our salvation, and in some mysterious way, there is a tent in both places. And at that furthest end of the sky, the course of the sun, the place of its setting, Father de Montfort gazes there. And as he gazes there, he feels within himself the reality of what St. John spoke of. When the Lord, the great son of justice, is giving his life on the cross, he looks down 
And note how carefully St. John says it. He saw his mother standing there, and in seeing her, he saw the disciple whom he loved. And in standing there with Mary, he understood, this is where the Lord most fully sees me, most truly sees me where I am most exposed, most vulnerable, most open to the burning heat of that beautiful sun of self-giving. How absolutely wonderful. And there, hearing that word from the Savior, behold your mother, it is there that he learns that the tent of the sun is my tent too. The abode, the home of the sun is my home too. And what does the sun do from his tent? He goes forth. He goes forth. And this is the fundamental movement of Father de Montfort's life. Filled with light by this contemplation of the union between Jesus and Mary, the humility of the incarnation, the embrace of the cross, standing there, being claimed by the voice of Christ, the witness of Christ, the will of Christ, he goes forth, sent with Christ, sent by Christ, not to baptize, but to preach to bring that light of the saving witness, the saving truth of the gospel into the dark and neglected and wounded corners of the world. And as Christ went and sought out the poor, so would he. And as Christ traveled as one who was poor among the poor, so would he. And as Christ would remain always obedient to the mission his father gave him, so would Louis de Montfort dedicate himself to temper his zeal, to temper everything with the humility that expresses itself in obedience. What a remarkable witness. It is easy to be captivated by his zeal, by the fire of his example and his words, but within all of it, Within all of it is this willingness to expose himself to the bright and burning heat of the face of Jesus Christ, of the beauty of the gospel, and to let it shine in every corner of his heart so that from every corner and every aspect of his life, witness might happen. He understood that before the church can truly take the gospel to all the ends of the world, the church must also allow the gospel to penetrate all the ends of its own internal world. What a beautiful witness that is. And how wonderful that we can hear these words today where in just a few minutes we're going to come forward and we're going to stretch out our hands and oddly and beautifully and curiously enough, we will discover that the Lord has prepared many other tents 
for that great son. Because as we stretch out our hands and receive him and take him into ourselves, wonderfully at that point, your heart and my heart become where heaven meets earth. Let us then, following the example of St. Louis de Montfort, open our lives to the full face of his goodness and his glory. And let us allow that light to move forth into the world from within us as well. From one end of the sky is the rising of the sun. He goes forth rejoicing like a champion to run its course. Nothing is concealed from his burning heat. And note how beautiful, no speech, no word, no voice is heard. And yet their word extends to all the world. One believer at a time. Amen.